Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Sister Mary Josepha of the Eucharist. Sister grew up in a Catholic home and was homeschooled. And she's also from a military family, so she moved around frequently. By the age of 12, she had lived in nine different homes. She attended St. Thomas Aquinas College in California. And in 2010, she entered the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. And Sister, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Deacon Jeff. It's a privilege to be here. Your order has a new book out called The Brides of Christ. And I see that it's dedicated to your foundress, St. Wilhelmina, that many people have probably heard of because of her being found incorrupt. How are, how are things going at the convent? Are you still seeing large crowds coming to visit her? There are a number, I think about 100 to 200 guests per day visiting the Abbey and Gower. I'm at the daughter house in southern Missouri, so I am not part of that um, I haven't been seeing the crowds coming through, but that's what I hear. There still are large numbers of people visiting to see Sister Wilhelmina. Well, and from what I read in your bio, not only did you travel a lot around as a kid, but you've been in a a few different locations since you uh, entered the order there, right? Yes. So when I entered, we were still in a temporary city convent in Kansas City, Missouri. But while I was still a postulant, about nine months after I'd entered, we moved to our present location in Gower. And I watched the Abbey being built around me. It was quite um, quite a beautiful thing to see it go up. But we outgrew the Abbey five years ago. And so Mother Abbess sent six of us south to Ava, Missouri, in the Ozark Mountains. And we've um, started a daughter house doing the same sort of life that is depicted in Brides of Christ, but just on a small scale. But now the Abbey is full up again, and uh, we have 16 now in place of the six that, entered, that came down originally to Ava. So both houses are full, and we're working on building our permanent monastery near Ava. Well, in this new book, Brides of Christ, put out by Sophia Institute Press, really is, it's, it's like a children's book to help young girls really see what discernment looks like, and then what does it look like when you enter a particular order going all the way from being a postulate to fully professed, right? Yes. And I hope that it will be um, helpful not only for the young women, the little, the girls who have this aspiration of a religious life, but also their families to take some of the mystery out of religious life or uh, maybe even the misconceptions from religious life to see that it is a very joyful, um, a very interior way of life and a very close union with God. I think that's really an important point because as we were talking about before we started the show, I have a daughter who's a Nashville Dominican, and I remember that the girls that were entering with her, one family tried to bribe their daughter with a car not to go. Um, oh and a couple, other, a couple other girls, as they were going through, I think maybe it was first profession, uh, no one showed up because they were so angry that they were in there. And they never gave the order an opportunity to see the joy and the beauty of what it is to be a religious sister. So I think this this book is really important to kind of break that you know, what what the secular world views is almost like a cult. And I've heard that mentioned, too. And I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, I think the the Blue Book, Our Brides of Christ, will they'll be able to understand that religious life is not um, 
not a cult, not something twisted or disordered, but it's it's a way of life that's very close to God. It has a very family setting. You can see the joy that the sisters have among each other. And it's not closed off to the friends and family that the young woman had before she entered. But they're kind of brought into the new family, too. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, that, you know, that's one of the things that um, really helped my wife through the process, because... I remember her thinking, you know what, I didn't, I didn't lose a daughter, I gained 300 more, right? I mean, at, at some level, yeah. you know, when you're interacting with them, you know, it's just like, it is a big family. And, and people kind of miss that. They think, oh my gosh, your daughter's gone. But mm-hmm. it really is, you're gaining another family as as the family of those from a child who's discerning. Yes. And I remember... Um... I said to my father when I entered, well, you can't complain about the son-in-law. And my father, he, he took it, was quite, a little bit taken aback. He said, son-in-law, I never thought of our Lord as being in that sort of a relationship to me. But really, when you give a child to God, you do have a certain closeness um, through that child. Um, it's like the family is brought into a closer relationship with God through that. And I always say, too, when, when God... Uh, gives a vocation and in some sense takes the child from the family he's taking he's leaving more room in your heart for himself and he's never outdone in generosity nope it's always it's always a good feeling and as a father right we know that you guys have the perfect spouse and i remember my daughter after her first year and i mentioned in that to her she goes i know dad that's what bothers me because he's perfect and i'm not i said well yeah you better remember that (laughs) yeah we always know if there's a problem in our relationship with our spouse, it's always our fault. That's right. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with him. <laughs> That's right. You don't have to. You don't have to look too far. And and for people who might not know, what is what is uh, the charism for the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles? Yes. So the Benedictines, we have uh, the rule of Saint Benedict from the early 500s. It's a very balanced life, alternating work and prayer. So the liturgical prayer forms the structure of the day, and then we we work in silence with our hands as much as possible um, to keep uh, listening to our Lord in our hearts, even while we're not actually in the chapel praying. Um, So it's a very simple but very interior life. And then as Benedictines of Mary, we have a special uh, consecration to our Blessed Mother, and we seek to emulate her life on earth after the ascension of our Lord, but before her own assumption. So during those years, Our Lady was uh, a very fervent, prayerful presence in the heart of the infant church, and she especially prayed for the apostles, the first priests, and she provided them a place of retreat at the home that St. John built for her in Ephesus, in present-day Turkey. You you might remember in one of the epistles, St. Paul says, I will tarry at Ephesus this winter. So you know that he was going to visit Our Lady. Um, So we, in our in our way, we try to um, support the Church by our life of contemplative prayer and sacrifice, and especially praying for the priests and providing them a place of retreat. The beauty of the book is you're really you're describing two things as you go through the book. One, what, is it, what does the activity look like not only within the convent, but also mm-hmm. what does the process of one discerning from being a postulate to fully profess look like. You're really covering both as you go through that book. Yes. Uh, it's helpful to see that um, the stages of formation are marked by those beautiful ceremonies, the reception of the habit, the profession of vows, 
Um, but then the in-between periods are just as formative, where we're living the life, we're doing the chores and milking the cow and sewing the vestments, but we're trying to do it in the right spirit, um, the spirit of prayer, uh, spirit of union with Our Lady. I think it is so beautiful because you do go through all the, you know, what a daily looks like. And maybe we can, you know, just shed some insight for people who don't know. But um, what does mealtime look like when you're, you know, at a daily meal? What is what how does that flow? And do you guys have silence, I'm guessing? Yes, we do. So there's a picture in Brides of Christ where you see um, the lines of sisters at table and another sister going through serving them. So the, the meal is served so that there's less noise. And another sister reads aloud from a book, usually the life of a saint or a history or something that reminds us that we're supposed to be nourishing our souls even at the same time that we're nourishing our bodies. So it's a, it's a, beautiful, um, it's a beautiful way of attending even to the body's needs. It is because you're 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 not only feeding the body, you're feeding the soul with the spiritual reading at the same time. And it's it, it is beautiful. And how many times the people nowadays, they're eating their meal and people are on their cell phones or half the people aren't even there. Right. Meals. Meals have become just mm-hmm. almost like fast food in people's houses where yours really is is what it was always meant to be. Right. A, a communal event. It is. I, it's one of those. Uh, the chapel is and the refectory where we have our meals, they're very similarly structured, and it's to remind us that we're um, united as one community, as one body, in a way. And when we're praying, even when we're refreshing the body at meals, um, and so we, there's a certain dignity to both the things that we do in the chapel and the way we take our meals. So what was it like to get your religious name? And when, and when did that happen? <laughs> was that after postulancy or when you became a novice? When did that take place? It, it was right after postulancy in the ceremony by which we become a novice. So in the book Brides of Christ, you'll see the postulants put on wedding dresses, and they come into the church um, to receive the habit from the hands of the bishop. And the bishop cuts off their hair right there in the sanctuary, and they step out, put on in, in the side room, they'll put on the, the religious habit. And then they come back to the bishop, and he says, from now on, you will be called. And he pronounces their name for the first time. And it's always a surprise. Mother Abbas gets some suggestions from the postulants, but she she has full freedom to pick whatever she thinks would be what the Lord wants for this sister. <laughs> and so there's a bit of uh, anticipation and excitement. <laughs> and then when the name comes out, big smiles, and a lot of joy. Well, and also receiving the habit, right? Because, you know, we used, we used to tease our daughter that, you know, it looked like she was wearing an Amish outfit for the first first year that she was in there. <laughs> and uh, what, yes. what, what was what was the feeling to put on that habit for the first time after having spent, you know, that time in postulancy, really preparing for this moment? Yes, it was so beautiful. Uh, each part of the habit has a venerable tradition Um this is the way the monks and nuns have been closed for centuries in the church. Uh, and there's a spe- special prayer that we have for each article as we put it on. Um, so it, it was very moving, I think, to receive all of the, the tunic, the cincture, which symbolizes purity, the um, scapular, the garment that we put over our shoulders. We actually say the same prayer that the priest says when he puts on his chasuble for mass, that we may bear mm-hmm. the burden of the Lord. Um, and then, of course, the veil, which is full of spousal significance. Um, so it's a, it's a very wonderful thing. Um, I think all of us consider 
the wedding dress that we put on at the beginning was just uh, a sign and we were kind of relieved when we took it off. But the, the habit is the real wedding garment and we'll wear that for the rest of our lives every day. Now, are, was your family able to participate in that? Is that more of a private event? How does that work? Our family did come for that event. Um, it's, it takes place in the church in the context of the Mass. So after receiving Holy Communion, the Pashtuns come up in their wedding dresses, and that's when the bishop cuts their hair. And they retire and put on the tunic, but then the bishop puts the rest of the garments on them one by one and, that, and then gives them their name. And it's very beautiful, I think, for the families to be present to see that transformation. It's it's just a, a wonderful thing to see the, the little girl that they raised um, suddenly becoming a spouse of Christ, a bride of Christ, uh, clothed with this wedding garment. Um, and of course, they see the joy when they when she hears her name for the first time, <laughs> and that I think helps the families to understand the gift that she has received and the gift that they will receive through her. So, you know, speaking to your family, so you go through, as, as you know, as you move through, the, you know, the, from novice to professed, to fully professed, you grow. But how, does you, how did your family grow through this process? How did their faith grow by watching you in the convent? Yes, that's a beautiful question. I think that um, I could answer with a little story from one of the Desert Fathers. <laughs> he said that the spiritual life is like a wheel. And as each person gets closer to the hub, which is Christ, he's moving up the spoke, you know, from the rim of the wheel to the hub. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else is also moving up a spoke toward the hub. And in getting closer to Christ, each one is getting closer to each other. Um, so I think as the sister goes through her own formation, uh, she deepens her relationship with Christ. She um, tries to live ever more fully her religious vocation. Her family is going through something similar. Um, there's they grow in their understanding of the life that she's leading, and they're also turning to Christ in a new way because they realize uh, the important place he has in their daughter or their sister's life. They realize um, that he has a new relationship to them as well. And so they're on a new path as they were getting closer to Christ too. Um, and, and while this is going on, the bond between the new sister and her family does get stronger there's not as much time together because of the separation from the world. You know, they don't call home, they don't text, they don't write email, Mm -hmm. but there's a spiritual bond that's much more meaningful. Um, I think of all the times that I would send messages home, they were quick and superficial emails. Um, But now when I write home, the the letter that I write by hand is much more uh, thoughtful, much more um, focused in a way. And then just the wordless correspondence I have with them throughout the day in my prayer, in my thoughts, um, it's, a, it's a stronger bond, I'm trying to say, than the more su- superficial means of communication that our modern media would it, propose. Well, and also, I, I would imagine when you receive mail, it's much more exciting than what, you know, I walk to the mailbox and, hey, we got another letter, right? It's, it's you're receiving, you're getting information, what's going on, how the family's doing, you know, prayers, whatever it may be. It's probably a great anticipate you mm-hmm. like getting letters. If you're like my daughter, she's always bugging her brothers like, hey, I haven't gotten a letter from you in quite a while. Of course, it comes <laughs> in our letter and we have to relay the message. <laughs> yes, it's a beautiful thing to get those letters. Um, 
and again, it, it reawakens that spiritual bond that is so strong just from the daily prayer, um, the, the daily union with Christ. But when the letter comes, you think, yes, that's sort of confirmation of that interior union that you have with your family. It is such a beautiful vocation, and, and it is, you know, it's great just to see the joy that you have. And, you know, some people think, you know, it's contemplative, we're, all we're doing is praying and working all day, but you have recreation time too, don't you? Yes, we do. We have an hour every day um, when we talk, and that's the important thing about recreation. Sometimes we'll take a walk, sometimes we'll do some manual work, we'll weed the garden or sow some vestments. But the important thing is that we're talking um, all together as a family. Um, and there's a lot of laughter, a lot of uh, humor about the, the things that happen in silence. Uh, sisters will start to laugh and say, well, this happened during the garden work this morning. Uh, or there'll be also um, more uh, poignant time when sisters might share a serious prayer intention. Um, but it's, it's always very familial. The sisterly love that we have for each other is very strong. So what is it like when you make final profession, right? You, you know, you, you're... You're living this out. And, and how many years is that before you do your final profession? It's about six years. It depends a little bit on each sister because it's an individual road that each one has to travel. But usually it's at least six years. Okay. Um, for me, the real changing point was my first profession uh, because when we make our first vows, we try to make them as if they'd be forever. You know, Holy Mother Church has to check up on us in three years, but we make it as if it would be forever. Um, so there's a, uh, a significant change in one's interior when one professes vows for the first time. But the solemn vows that come after at least three years of temporary profession, it's um, Holy Mother Church uh, sealing the the deal, as it were. She's confirming the promise that was made and saying, now you can make this promise forever. Not just till death do us part, as a human marriage is, but you, we make our vows to God forever. We're His spouses forever. Um, and in our community, as a sign of that, we receive a nuptial ring, just um, a simple golden band that reminds us that we are indeed a spouse to Christ. I think that was perhaps the most beautiful moment of the solemn profession ceremony when the bishop put that ring on my finger and said, I espouse you to Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father. And what are the, what are the vows you make when you make profession? We make, as Benedictines, um, vows of stability to our community, a conversion of life, and obedience to our superior. It sounds a little different from the traditional three that you hear other communities make, but poverty, chastity, and obedience are included in those, in a way the Benedictine vows a little bit more. Um, so in conversion of life, we vow um, poverty and uh, virginity, but it's also um, embracing the whole monastic life and striving, promising to always strive for perfection in that life always um, to be seeking a deeper union with Christ through it. And then the stability that we vow is to our religious family. So other communities, they move around from different houses or maybe even from different branches of the order as they are assigned. Mm -hmm. But for the Benedictine, um, we have a, a family spirituality that's very centered upon our relationship with our superior, the abbess, and the religious house to which we have been, we have entered. Um, so it's, it, it, I guess it embraces the cloistered aspect of our life and our familial spirituality. 
if there's a young girl who's listening and hopefully many are, or even parents who can encourage their children, at least be open to the Lord's call, how, how would one go about if she wanted, if was discerning and wanted to explore your order a little more, what would she do? Well, it would be helpful to look at Brides of Christ maybe as an introduction, <laughs> but then visiting <laughs> well, our really website. But then our website has a lot of very helpful information. So www.benedictinesofmary.org has information about our monastic life, um, our two houses, our Abbey and Gower, and also our daughter house in Ava, um, and then the steps and formation, how to become a sister. There's also contact information so that a young lady could uh, write the Abbey or write the daughter house asking for a come and see visit. It's there's only so much you can learn by just going online. It, if you mm-hmm. really are feeling the call to religious life, you have to go and just experience it and talk with sisters and see what they really do from day to day and not just uh, try to surf the web and, and look for um, virtual images. Uh, so usually well, young ladies that, come for a week at a time. A week, oh, okay, that's what I was going to ask you. So how many, how many um, women do you... Uh, except in a given year, because you're you're still growing, so you only have so much space. What what's the average size? Right. Or what, do you, what, kind of, what size of the girls coming in do you usually see? How many? Yes, we've been very blessed with a num- increasing numbers of applications. So we try as hard as we can to accept as many as we can. This year, there are ten young women entering at the Abbey, and four young women entering here which are large groups. Um, usually yeah. closer communities get smaller groups at a time, but um, I think what, the, what there are a lot of young women looking for traditional religious life, and uh, there are not that many places to find it, so a lot of them are coming to us. But um, this is all the more important for us to keep our building project going because we have now 16 in this temporary house, um, and at the Abbey they've reached capacity and they're, they're making cells in the unfinished basement with cardboard boxes. <laughs> so it's, it's a kind of vocation crisis, but the good kind. <laughs> yeah. And if somebody wants to contribute or to help your order financially, they can do that by just going online. Yes. There's a lot of information about how to help us at, on our website. And we're very grateful for any gift, large or small. And I always tell our benefactors, uh, you are, if by just supporting our life this way, you're entitled to the fruits of it. So know that you'll be con- remembered in our prayers every day, several times a day, uh, in perpetuity. There, there aren't many more worthwhile causes than, right, to, to help fund uh, your order or other faithful orders because of not only the prayers, but just the witness and, and the beauty of, of what life focused on Christ looks like. I hope it's beneficial to the church, to the lay people who come visit, especially to the priests who come on retreat. We try to be faithful to this beautiful call. And if we are faithful, then, as you're saying, the fruits, they will overflow to other people. Well, and I know, like, Benedictine College, I don't know if they still do, but I know they used to do a nun run every spring break, where they would drive, get in a van, and have a whole bunch of girls go visit different convents and and monastic communities and and just really see what it looks like and i don't know if they're still doing that but i would imagine as close as you guys are to benedictine you would be on the list if they are 
I think they do visit the Abbey still. Uh, we've had nun runs from uh, Benedictine College, but also Wyoming Catholic College, uh-huh. um, and even local homeschool groups, or not so local. There's one homeschool group that comes every year from Minnesota. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a beautiful way, and a kind of, I think, a less intimidating way for young girls to see the life, because they're not just by themselves, away from home for the first time, but they're with a group of young girls who all have this interest and openness to religious life. Yeah, I, you know, there was a book that was required reading for all the girls who enter the, the Dominicans. It was Father Thomas Dubay and You Are Christ, you know, the charism of virginity yeah. and celibate life. And I would highly recommend that for anyone discerning, even if you're not discerning, just the beauty of it. Because when you read books like that and then you read, you know, see the book that you guys put out of what a life looks like, the, the beauty is so greater, so much greater than we could have ever imagined. Yes. It's it's not at all um, like a, a, a pointless life or uh, a frustrated life where we're denying um, natural goods f- for a, a gratuitous reason, but it's really sublimating all of those natural goods. We were talking about how it's a new family, um, and it's it's important for our society to realize that, that the religious life, the cloistered life, is hidden and it's mysterious, but it's not because it's turned its back on the world, but it's because it's drawn the world very close to its heart and is uh, trying to bring the world closer to Christ, who will redeem it and purify it. Well, and and as dark as the world seems to be getting, wherever you look, right, your light and the light of faithful people shines even brighter, and I would imagine even more and more people are going to be really disenchanted with what the world has to offer and really rethink what is Christ asking of me? Mm-hmm. I think we received a, a real spike in vocations after COVID because there were many young women who were, um, you know, in isolation or cut off from normal uh, venues of communication or so, uh, community life. And they really turned inward and said, well, what is life about? And God used that as an opportunity to speak to their hearts. Um, and so I think a, a number of young women uh, found their vocation, even in a kind of challenging and difficult environment, of, such as COVID had. Well, and again, the book is Brides of Christ, put out by Sophia Institute Press. And maybe, Sister, you can t- give everybody your, your website just one more time in case they didn't get it. Certainly. Our website is www.benedictinesofmary.org. It's possible to buy Brides of Christ from the website or just to read more about our life in detail. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.